0: prophetic word that that came forth that that Jake shared was so timely. And I think when we unfold this message this morning, keep that word in mind. That uh, The Lord said, I know that you love me, but I, I want you to have faith and be open for me to use you. Praise God. Stories from the Altar. I have a fourth story for you this morning, and it's about Moses and the Jehovah Nisi altar. That's our fourth story, and it's the story of how God spoke to Moses to build an altar named Jehovah Nisi, and the Lord told him to build it after the Hebrews that he was leading uh, through the wilderness had won a victory over their archenemy, the Amalekites. And so I want to give you a little background so that uh, you really will understand what Jehovah Nisi means and what God is saying to us today about this altar that is for us today. Um, the Amalekites were descendants of Esau. If you remember, Esau was one of the two sons of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob had two sons, They were twins, and the oldest was Esau. But after they grew up, Esau couldn't care less about the things of God. He was very worldly, very earthly, and he sold his birthright to his brother Jacob for a pot of stew. And that's how much importance he put in the things of God. So God said, fine, the birthright actually fell upon Jacob. And uh, Jacob became Abraham, Isaac, the blood covenant, Jacob. So Jacob was in the blessed lineage, and that it shifted from Esau. Esau became rejected, and God's heritage moved through Jacob. And you know, Jacob, of course, had his 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, and hundreds of years went by and then the Hebrews went down into Egypt during a time of famine. And 400 years they were down there And during that time, fell out of favor with the Pharaoh, a new Pharaoh arose, they became slaves and they were slaves in Egypt for a long, long time. And God raised up a deliverer, Moses. Moses leads them out of slavery to Egypt and they have come through the Red Sea and they're now coming into the Promised Land. And they are, a, they are not a militant force. They're not an army. They're just beleaguered, tired slaves and their wives and their, their children that are crossing the desert. Well, the Amalekites, the descendants uh, who are the descendants of Esau, Their father Amalek was one of the grandsons of Esau and they became a mighty tribe. They were a wicked people. They were filled with the spirit of their father Esau and they were rejecters of God. They were practicers of all kinds of horrible filth and rebellion and they lived as a nomadic tribe and they populated the Sinai desert, or the Arabian Peninsula, if you will, particularly the southeast part. Um, And Moses leads the children of Israel out into the Sinai wilderness where the Amalekites are. And so as he's leading a couple of million of these former slaves across the Arabian Peninsula, the, um, the Amalekites start attacking their rear positions and picking off the stragglers. And so finally Moses is fed up with it and um, God speaks to him and he orders Joshua to assemble an army and they're going to fight the Amalekites in the valley of Riphidim. So they have their first battle against anybody since they've come out as, as God's delivered people. They had their first war, their first big battle in the Valley of Riphidim against the Amalekites. And in that battle is the story of Moses standing up on the hill overlooking the valley as the battle's going on. And he says to Joshua before the battle, he says, you take the men, attack the Amalekites, draw them into the valley, and God is going to fight for you. I'm going to stand up on this hill, and I'm going to lift up the rod of God, the staff, and uh, you're going to win. So the battle's going on as the day goes on. Uh, Moses begins to get weary, and his, his hands go down. And when, it, when the staff goes down, the battle turns, and the Amalekites start to win. And so Aaron, his brother, and her find a big stone and they roll it up and they sit him down on it and they each get an arm and they hold it up. And when his arms go back up, uh, the battle goes back in favor of Joshua and the Hebrews until they win. So they win a decisive victory um, against the Amalekites. At the end of the battle, God says to Moses, he tells Moses, the Amalekites are my enemy. And you'll find out a little bit more about that and why God said that. They are my enemy and they will war with my people for generations to come until sometime in the future I will wipe them and their memory from the face of the earth. And then God said to commemorate this covenant commitment and this declaration that the Amalekites are my sworn enemy and I will destroy them. I will wipe them out. I want you to build an altar and you're to name it Jehovah How many of you know what Jehovah means? Glenn? My banner. The Lord is my banner. Hallelujah. So he builds this altar to commemorate the victory and in obedience to what God said and names the altar, the Lord is our banner or the Lord is our banner. So reading out of Exodus chapter 17, after the battle, beginning in verse 14, after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder. So it's part of the covenant and read it aloud to Joshua. And I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So Moses built an altar there and named it Jehovah Nissi, which means the Lord is my banner. For God said, now listen, they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with the Amalekites from generation to generation. So now you know what the jehovah altar is all about, how it got its name. And so the Amalekites went on to attack and harass Israel for many generations, hundreds of years to come. They were the sworn enemy, the worst of all of Israel's enemies. And Gideon, the judges, King Saul, King David... For hundreds of years, they all fought with the Amalekites. The Amalekites were a demonic, driven, fierce people who seemed to just live to destroy Israel. You will remember the story in the book of uh, Deborah, the prophetess, uh, um, hallelujah, Esther, I'm sorry, not Deborah, but Esther, the story of Esther, Haman, In the court of Xerxes the king, plots to annihilate, wipe from the face of the earth, all of the Jews. And of course, God raises up Esther and she intercedes and Haman ends up being wiped out. Haman was the grandson of Agag, the great Amalekite king that God ordered King Saul to wipe out and kill and King Saul wouldn't kill him. And the prophet Samuel came to the battlefield after uh, um, all of the Amalekites were supposed to be wiped out. Their cattle, the families, everybody wiped out from the face of the earth. God wanted to fulfill his word. King Saul wouldn't do it. And so Samuel announced to Saul, you will no longer be the Lord's anointed. You refused to do this. And Saul became a demon hotel from that time forward. And uh, Samuel said, bring me a sword, and he killed Agag. Agag was the grandfather of Haman who wanted to wipe out the Jews. So you, you could see this enmity between them. But God's answer of dealing with the Amalekites isn't to build an army, but to build an altar. So listen very carefully. And to name that altar Nissi, the Lord is my banner. Because at that altar, God made a covenant declaration that you, my people, and I, we have a mutual enemy. That was what he was saying. He has raised his fist against me. And so we have a mutual enemy. And and at that altar, God ordained that, that we have an enemy because God has an enemy. Amen. And so he ordained and spoke at that altar that in our battle against our enemies, we are, we have God as our commander in chief because the battle is his. So you remember through history, God would say the battle's not yours. Whenever they would turn to the Lord, what did God say? The battle was mine. So the altar of Jehovah-Nissi wasn't just for Israel's wars against the Amalekites, but it's a blood covenant altar that God ordained against the real enemy of God and his people, Satan. Remember, God said when he ordered Moses to build Jehovah Nissi, he said, Amalek has raised his fist against my throne, specifically against my throne. Who else said, I will exalt my throne against the throne of the Most High. Who said that? Satan said that when he was known as Lucifer and he fell. So who really is God's eternal enemy? It is Satan. And because he is God's enemy, he's our enemy. He raised his fist against the Lord's throne to become God's enemy. And by extension, we've inherited that enmity because we are God's people whom the Lord loves. And so God said and so now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. Why God didn't just wipe the Amalekites out through Joshua? Because throughout history until Jesus returns and brings his kingdom, there's an ongoing running battle between the people of faith and the people who serve the prince of darkness. And so they are there because Satan is still in the world. Satan really is the Amalekite king, if you will, that stands against us today. Satan's attack against you is part of God's sworn covenant to war against the ruler of darkness. In essence, God is saying, Because you belong to me, my enemy is your enemy. He's attacking you because of me. Take a moment and let that sink in. We take our trials very personally, but God is trying to elevate us and he's saying to us, I have an enemy who has raised his fist against me because I have loved you and you are my people and he can't strike me with that fist. He brings that fist down on you. So while you're thinking that Satan, you know, why, why poor me? Why is the devil attacking me? What have I done? What has someone else done? Realize that the real answer to all those questions is you're being attacked by an enemy who hates you because he can't get at God who he really hates, so he takes it out. You. Do you think that little piece of information might be useful to you when you're going through trials? Hallelujah. And so God is saying he's attacking you because of me. And when you engage our enemy, I want to be fighting that battle with you. That's what the altar of Jehovah Nissi says. I don't want you fighting our enemy alone. I want to fight him through you and with you. Hallelujah. That's what the Jehovah Nissi altar is all about. That's what it's for. You engage God at the Jehovah altar where he's made a covenant to throughout the generations fight against the Amalekites, fight against the demons, fight against Satan. You engage God at Jehovah Nissi altar before you engage the devils in your battle, before you run headlong into your trials suit up in the whole armor of God at the altar of Jehovah Nisi so that it becomes God's battle that he has promised to wage that war through you with. And so we need to understand how to use the Jehovah Nisi altar. Let me share with you from this perspective how we use the Jehovah Nisi altar. Satan sends demonic assaults to exploit your weaknesses and your mistakes. Think of the trials that you have. Most of the time, he's able to get at you because of some guard you've let down, some door you've left open, some access that he has gained. That's why Paul said to the Corinthians, we're not ignorant of his devices, lest he should get the advantage of us. So when Satan sends demonic assaults, when he assigns demons, to use his dark strategy to try to discourage you, to try to defeat you, to try to engage you, to try to get you distracted. He always does it to exploit your weaknesses so that he can turn around then and condemn you for the trial you're going through. Does that make sense? He can then get you to blame yourself for why this is happening to you. He wants to leave you believing that you deserve what he's throwing at you. So you understand that's the Amalekite strategy. That's the the strategy always that comes from the, the enemy in the spiritual warfare we engage with. And it's simply a deception to divert you from the reality that since he's God's enemy, you're under attack simply because you're God's property. He wants you to fight with him because you think he's got something against you, or you think that there's something wrong with you, and therefore he's taking advantage of it. And no matter how true it may be that you and I have weaknesses, that we have left a back door open and the enemy can exploit them, that's not why he's attacking us. He has a whole world full of sinners he could do that with. The only reason he is aiming all of his assaults against you, whether they are emotional, spiritual, mental, or material is because God loves you and he hates God and has raised his fin- fist against God. And the Jehovah altar is where you go to pray and align yourself in communion with Jesus with the fact that when devils attack you, they're attacking Jesus. God said to, Josh, to, to Moses, write this down and go tell Joshua and go tell every Joshua after him. You're the Joshua of your generation. You're the Joshua of your, your household. You're the one who's got to lead your life and lead the lives of others. God's put under your stewardship into the promised land. And God said to Moses, go tell Joshua, go tell him there's an altar called the Lord is our banner. And I have sworn against this enemy, who's raised their fist against me, that I will fight with them. They're my enemy. So when Joshua comes to this altar, he realizes he's not the commander-in-chief of an earthly army that's got to muster its own strength and abilities and machinery and devise some kind of strategy that can successfully wipe out the enemy. I will successfully wipe out the enemy. But you've got to come to me knowing that he's my enemy and that's why you're fighting this battle. Yes. Amen. So the Jehovah Nisi altar is where you pray. You align yourself with Jesus and in communion with him, you take on that reality, that fact that the devil's attacking me because he's attacking Jesus. So the next time Satan attacks you, saying, tell him, here's Jesus. See what you can do with him. That's what Jehovah Nisi is all about. Can you say amen? Amen. This is exactly why Jesus has given you the right to put on the whole armor of God. (coughs) Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put every piece of God's armor on you so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. You can see. Well, let me just go on and keep reading. So then, well, I'll just continue to read what Paul wrote. He said it better than I could. Uh, Put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. And in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit Which is the word of God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now you know why God said that. You know why Paul, why he had Paul write that. Because Amalek and the demonic Amalekites are my sworn enemy. I am in a war against them. Don't ever think you're fighting those trials alone. God says those trials are my trials. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And don't ever let the devils tell you that you've got this coming because of something you did. Even if you did do something that opened the door. Don't let the devil talk to you. Don't let him tell you that. That's not his business. That's you and God's business. Can you say amen? Amen. Go to the Jehovah Nisi altar. Repent of your failings if there's failings. And put yourself under the blood, and then put on the whole armor of God. Hallelujah. What does it really mean to have Jesus as as your banner? Well, battle banners hung in temples. They hung in meeting halls. they, They hung in great congregation centers in all the cultures of the world and throughout all the nations. Battle banners are declarations of trust. They project the strength of the armies that fight under them. The <laughs> banners of others declare that their trust is in the might of their men or their machinery or their strategies. But the Jehovah altar, the Lord is my banner, declares that God is the weapon we fight with. God demonstrated after that battle in the Valley of Riphidim when he told Moses to build that altar named Jehovah Nissi. He demonstrated through the centuries to come that Jehovah Nissi was a force multiplier for his people and that their shortages didn't matter. Their shortages didn't matter because his presence cancels out the statistics on both sides of the battlefield. Did you hear what I said? His presence cancels out the statistics on both sides of the equation. Your weakness, your shortage, or the enemy's strength and abundance. Those statistics on either side of the battle matter not a bit. The minute Jehovah Nissi enters the battlefield, none of those things matter. He overwhelms the statistics. He overwhelms your lack, and he overwhelms Satan's abundance. He overwhelms your weakness, and he overwhelms the enemy's strength. Hallelujah. And that's why God gave silly strategies to his people when they went out against their enemies. I mean, think about it. 300 scared men with torches against a trained army of 132,000? Silly strategy. A teenager with a sling is going to fight for Israel against a 10-foot warrior. Silly strategy. Attacking three confederated nations that have swarmed like locusts into your country and sending out the praise team as the tip of the spear. The shock troops will be the singers, the praise team. Get... Glenn and Aubrey and say, all right, there's 400, half a million men out there just want you to go sing God's praises at them and attack them with the song of the Lord. Hallelujah. Why? Because Jesus is our Jehovah-Nissi altar. You might be saying by now, well, where is the Jehovah-Nissi? I want to go to that altar. His name is Jesus. That altar was built in the Old Testament like a shoe for Jesus to step his foot into when he arrived. All these different altars that I'm teaching about, they're all Jesus. They're all expressions of Jesus. I want you to know that when Jesus is your Lord, Satan's your enemy because of Jesus. But guess what? That means that Jesus is your weapon of war. Jesus is your banner. Jesus is your victory. And when the enemy comes against you and he tries to make it personal, don't fall for the lie. Hide yourself. Go to the altar. Pray, hide yourself under the blood of the Lamb. And then put on the whole armor of God. Someone say, praise the Lord. Jesus is your everlasting blood covenant commitment from God that when you go out against the enemy to fight him, you're going to be fighting under the banner of Jesus Christ that God will be fighting that battle with you. I leave you with this thought, and then we're going to pray. In the Old Testament, God's people relied on pleading to get God to intercede on their behalf. They used prophets, for example, to plead before God for help. Now, under the New Testament, there was a dynamic shift and a change in the way we access God and His promises, In the New Testament, people don't use pleading, they use authority. I just want the dust from that bomb to settle on your mind. We rely on the Holy Spirit telling us where to direct our declarations of authority that we get from the altar of Jehovah Nissi. I listen carefully to the way people pray. And this is, I'll pick this thought up in another message in the future. But it's always amazing to Kathy and I how few people actually speak to the mountain. Everybody pleads, where's the authority? God people today don't seem to know how to use authority. They don't speak. Jesus said, have the faith of God. For I say to you, whosoever shall speak, which means declare, rebuke the mountain, tell it to go. Stop pleading for God to move it. The only reason you're pleading is because you don't know the authority you have. The only reason you're pleading is because you haven't been to the Jehovah Nisi altar. You don't even know about it. You're not aware that your enemy is God's enemy. You think it's your problem. That's why you're pleading with God. You think it's your problem to solve. Go to the Jehovah Nissi altar. Go from the Old Testament, get yourself an update, and become a New Testament believer. Hallelujah. And stop using pleadings and start using authority. Whosoever shall say to this mountain. And I need to qualify that, that's a whole other teaching. Because people could just run off and say, well, I'm just going to say to every problem I have, just go. And there's more to it than that, obviously, but that's for another message. So Jehovah needs the altar. Let's go there. Stand with me. Praise the Lord. And I'd like you to come and join me down front. We are going to pray over around our Jehovah Jireh table where we have placed these prayer requests. And our commitment to Isaac's that we're laying upon the altar. If you have a request you want to add, back in the back is that little table, and there's these envelopes with two three by five cards. You can just simply write your request. No one's going to read these but the Holy Spirit. The angels don't even know what's in there. Hallelujah. Um, Glory, hallelujah. But I hope you're encouraged this morning. And, and know that God has given you authority. Hallelujah. For a great victory. Praise the Lord. So as we gather around uh, this table this morning to pray and to renew our commitment, we're like like I told you about the two ladies that got voted in. We're not leaving them on the battlefield. We're not taking these requests and just leaving them here. We're going to keep our faith on this. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you.